Welcome to the Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Laconia campus. I love these guys. <laughs> I, uh, I cried both times, and I cried both times because God was reminding me of the journey that you two have been on. And I, I met Lacey, um, oh my goodness, when I, when I met her, um, four, it was four years ago, yeah, yeah, and so she, she was, you know, can I, I'll share a little, just a little, she was in a place of real struggle, and really trying to figure out life, because sometimes in life there are um, we have dreams, we have desires, and we go headlong into them, and sometimes they crumble. And it seems like there are seasons where dreams get deferred. I almost wrote a song about it, but I never finished it, about dreams deferred. And I felt like at that point in her life, when I, I only knew her at the time, it was one of those seasons, at least on the surface. And I'd always talk to Lacey about the future, and she would always bring me to the present, and she would always say, I'm learning to date the Lord. I'm learning to fall in love with Jesus. I'm learning to live with him as my sufficiency, right? Yeah, but it wasn't easy. And I remember helping you move out of that apartment. And I remember the hole in the wall. You know, and there are things from our past which are like holes in the wall that remind us of hard times, that remind us of broken relationships, that remind us of that life in many ways is not the way it was intended to be by God that there's brokenness, that there's hurt. And in the midst of that, um, somehow, God brought me and then Lacey to Grace Capital. And she met this lovely man who is one of the sweetest guys I've ever met in my life. Like, like by far. John's a close, tied first. Um, and, the, and God redeemed the situation, the brokenness, the hole in the wall, the dreams deferred. God restored it. Our God is a God of restoration. Yeah. He's restoring all things new unto himself. And it's encapsulated in this commission, this this phrase, this command even, this prayer, on earth as it is in heaven. That God sent forth his son from heaven. He stepped down off a throne from the kingdom of heaven, came in the form of a little child, in a fragile little frame, in a manger, surrounded by 
Flood's coming. <laughs> Surrounded by barn animals. The God who created the universe was born in a smelly barn. And he sent forth his son to release heaven on earth. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with his father. It says that when he was a child, he would sit and he would teach. And those who were learned were amazed at the authority that he possessed. And when he was 30 years old, he was baptized. And it says that he went to John the Baptist in the wilderness, and John said to him, what are you doing here? I need to be baptizing you. Jesus said, you need to baptize me to fulfill all righteousness. And the scripture says that when Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and landed upon him. And it says that heaven was opened up to him. And a voice proclaimed, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. The authority and the power from the Father came to the Son to release open heaven on earth. And it says that Jesus from that point on in Matthew, as we've been looking at over the past couple weeks, he was led by the Spirit. And throughout the Gospels, we see that Jesus went forth in power of the Spirit. And wherever he went, he touched people with this redemptive touch. He restored sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, resurrected the dead, took the shame off of a woman who was bleeding her for years. The lame walked. Those with dreams deferred began to dream again. And then Jesus went out and he started building a team around him of disciples. And he said to them, repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. This word repent is this word metanoia. It means to change the way you think. It means to have divine perspective. He was saying to the disciples, it's here. We sang that other song, uh, which I really like. It has that upbeat part, since your love is going to hold on me. There's a verse that says, um, where's Zoe? Uh, she had to go. She had to go. Um, we were made by you. We were made for you. And we are unfulfilled without full communion. You see, God in the beginning made man. He formed him and fashioned him. And it says that he made him in his image. That he made man to be in close proximity to God. To be in fellowship with God. To have relationship to sit with, to listen, to follow, to be covered in his dust. And he placed him in a garden 
He placed them in this area which represented the rule and reign of God. And he said to man and woman, guard this garden. He said, take this garden and have dominion over the earth. Guard is a military term. Dominion is a military term. They were to advance this garden across the whole earth because outside of the garden, what was there? You see, before man was created, there was a fall. There were three archangels. There was Michael, there was Gabriel, and there was Lucifer. And Lucifer decided that he wanted to be worshipped rather than worship God. So he organized this rebellion in heaven. And God cast Lucifer out from heaven. And he separated light from darkness. And Lucifer and a third of the angels were swooped down to on earth. And God, in his sovereignty, chose to defeat the enemy through people who would choose to worship him. So he fashioned man and he formed relate this is slipping on my head. He formed a relationship with him. One of fellowship, one of worship. But man who had these keys to advance the kingdom decided to give them over. He gave them over to a deceiver. He gave them over to a deceiver who promised a life that would be so much better than the one that the Father could give. Which I believe is a type and symbol of the struggle all of us face. Because we think that, hey, I can do this on my own and better apart from Him. But the reality is that leads to death and dying and disease and depression and brokenness. And so is this void between man and God. And a void that could only be gapped and bridged through God's Son, who came to restore the fellowship between man and God. Now, through Him, we have this ability to walk and experience the presence of God and the benefits that go along with that. To have open heaven in our life. To have the benefits of God flow from fellowship with God. and His provision laid out like a banquet table called His kingdom. You see, heaven isn't just a, isn't a destination. Heaven is a reality now. upon you. It's within you. It's in the midst of you. In Ephesians 2, it says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God made us alive together with Christ, and He seated us with Him in the heavenly realm, meaning that we can live from heaven now, that we're with Him now. We have the benefits of His presence in us now. For wherever the King is, His kingdom goes with Him. And He's in us. But the struggle and the reality of life is that we don't walk in all that He has. 
because we have trouble waiting. We have trouble going through the wrestling match with God. We have trouble listening and following because we still want to run, run out ahead. The Beatitudes, as we've been working through, shows us the process by which the kingdom of God is released in our life. The Beatitudes reveal that it's the character of Christ that releases the kingdom of God. And that as Jesus is formed in us through a process, His kingdom is released in us and around us. We've already looked at the first couple of Beatitudes. I'm going to give you a quick recap of them. Our journey with the Lord begins with this idea, this reality of poor in spirit. Matthew chapter 5, verse 2. And he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Every one of you, at some point in your life, has caught a glimpse of Jesus. Even if it was just from the corner of your eye. You've had a little glimpse of him, because his majesty is everywhere. He's revealed himself in all of creation. What he is like has been made plain to us. But something happens when you gaze into his eyes. It's like going to a river, Isaiah 55. This river of life. And standing over the edge and looking into the water and seeing a reflection of yourself. It's a mirror that he holds up. And he shows us that apart from him, we have nothing. That apart from him, we're spiritually dead and broken. Our soul cannot live without full communion. We need Him. And it's in that place of being poor in spirit that we say, Lord, save me. And for those of you who have made that decision, you know what I'm talking about. That we go from death to life. That our conscience on the inside wakes up that the air is different, that we start to breathe the atmosphere of heaven, that we start to see God at work around us, and we start to see the brokenness around us. Initially, there's this joy and there's this excitement for what God has in store. But we struggle because we want to go back to the old man. So what needs to happen next is that we need to mourn. We need to allow the old man to die. We need to stop trying to give him CPR. We need to let him drown in the water. Because there's no life in him. It says that blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And the beauty is that as we allow the flesh to die, the Spirit begins to fill us. And we begin to walk in the Holy Spirit and have newness of life. And everything starts to change. Jesus says, repent for the kingdom as at hand. So now we need to begin this process of gaining divine perspective. Of, of starting to see ourselves differently. Uh, starting to see others differently. Starting to see the world differently. 
You see, before Jesus, it was all about us. I said this a couple weeks ago that Shane, he had this revelation that he said to himself, oh my goodness, I'm not the man. Like when he got saved, that was, he had this, I, I have a car, I have a house, I have this and that. And then his son got sick and was in a hospital. It was born that way, actually. And he, he's helpless. And God brought him to this place of recognizing that he was not the man. And mourning is getting to this place of saying, well, that's okay. I don't need to be the man. And then it says that, blessed are those who are meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So we need to now start to live in this new way. And this new way is a life of it's a life of discovering your commission. It's, an, it's a life of discovering the path that God has before us and then the faith to step out in it. You see, meekness is, is not weakness. That kind of rhymes. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is learning to operate in the power and the authority of God under the control of God, within the character of God. Make sense? So it's Holy Spirit power under God's control through His character. Meekness. And then we walk in His favor. Then we walk in His provision. Then we start to see the Jasons come along who you've been waiting for. I was waiting for you. I needed a worship leader. (laughs) But the reality is, that ability to follow the way, it's not really taught, it's caught. It says in here that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Our life before Christ was this pursuit, this endless pursuit of things that had no ability to satisfy the thing that was deep inside us that was lacking. And then we encounter Jesus, and it's like, whoa, that's the thing I've been looking for. But wait, there's more. See, it doesn't just stop there. The walk of a Christian is that. It's a walk. It's learning to follow the one who is righteous. Jeremiah 23 says that the Lord is our righteousness. See, righteousness is a person. The king is the righteous one. He makes us right with God. He gives us the ability to walk right with God. He works through us to accomplish and advance the kingdom, which has a culture of righteousness, The key to this, the key to having this satisfied life, the key to living in such a way where God will advance the kingdom in us and through us is learning to go to Jesus daily, daily, all the time, and listen to Him. He promised in John 4, that He would give those who believe in Him living water. It would be this living water that would upwell to eternal life. 
this connector between the heavenly realm and the earthly realm. And that living water is His very presence that He puts inside of us. It's this fellowship, this ability to have relationship with Him. Because life flows out of Him. It emanates from Him. Like a big old... I went to Seattle one time. Holy cow. They had this outdoor sprinkler or fountain. This fountain was huge. And it shot up. I'll exaggerate. I mean, it felt like 100 feet in the air, if not 200. It was crazy. And they had music, and there's water going this way and that way, and a big stream of gushing, flowing water. If you were anywhere near it, you got wet. You couldn't help but getting wet. <laughs> Saturated if you ran to it. This life of Christianity is about running to the fountain. It's about, and the cool thing was, as we were watching, all of the kids. Who was going in the fountain? The kids were going in the fountain. All of them. There was a few adults, and you can tell they were flower children. <laughs> and they were running in the water, and they were, whoo, so pumped up. Unless you have faith of a child, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Our water is living water. It's the Holy Spirit that he imparts to us. You know, after Jesus engaged with that woman, he went out and his disciples came to him and they said, hey, Jesus, aren't you going to eat? Now, if that was me, I would have been like, well, yeah, let's go. It's time to go to burrito me. I like to eat. Jesus said something different. He said, I have food you don't know about. And I'm sure they were like, what are you hiding it? What's up with that? My food is to do the will and the works of him who sent me. Pursuing Jesus allowing him to show us what he's doing, allowing him to teach us how to do the work and the will of the Father. It's this life of discipleship. How often do you eat? How many times a day do you eat? Anybody eat three times a day? Four? Five? Six? Seven? Eight? All day, if you're me. I eat all day. Ask any of my friends. Nonstop snackage going on. All day. Now, I'm lean and mean. God bless me with a good metabolism. Praise you. We shape our life and our culture and our world around food and drink. We so do. And if you don't believe me, count the number of Dunkin' Donuts that you see as you're driving around. Everywhere. And McDonald's, which is garbage. <laughs> Not according to Maddie, but it's... What if we pursued Jesus in such a way that our soul would die without Him? What if we chased and pressed after Him like the crowds that surrounded Him to if only touch His robe? 
What if we actually realize and change the way we think and believe that His presence, His very presence is inside of us and He can talk to us? Isaiah 55 says that, Hear that your soul may live. That as we sit in His lap and He whispers to our ear, we find life and it's abundant life. Super abundant life. A life that satisfies a life that's worth dying for. God didn't make you for you. He made you for Him. And when we live just for ourselves, we die because that's not how we were made to be. But when we discover that we were made for Him and we live for Him, He opens up the kingdom to us and we find abundant life. Who we are changes. How we live changes. How we see other people changes. And we start to follow him and be his disciple. Jesus said to the disciples, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. I will take all that you have and all that you are, and I will, and I will use it to forcefully advance the kingdom of God. And I say forcefully advance the kingdom of God because we're in a spiritual battle. The weapons of our warfare are not of this world. This this kingdom, the advancing the kingdom is about pressing back the gates of hell. And that when Jesus came and he took back the keys that Adam gave to, to Satan, he gave us the keys. He gave us the keys to the kingdom to push back the gates of hell. He's given us spiritual weapons to fight against the thief who comes to kill and steal and destroy. And he has given us the ability to interact with people in this world with a redemptive touch. Three, about a month ago, we had a little girl who was born with hips that were rotated out, like, like that, but like turned out. And she had a brace on. Do you remember this? We, we prayed for her. We, she, she needed radical surgery and physical therapy which would have extended probably for quite a, some time in her life. God healed her. God healed her that day. Woo! Yes. He healed her hips. God took her hips and moved them like that. And the doctors more or less called it a miracle. There was no way that should have happened. None. God did that. God did that through your prayers. You have the ability to touch people and, and have them be healed. If we would slow down our lives and follow our master and drink from his water and eat of his food, which is his will and works, we would start to see the kingdom released all around us. And that would become the norm. Because normal Christianity is to be like Christ. He said that we'll do greater works than him. So really, wow, unbelievable. But faith is believing what you can't see. It's not lowering your theology to accommodate for what you see. It's allowing Jesus to be perfect theology and then sending your eyes on him so that you can walk out on water and go to him and do the impossible. God is wanting to advance the kingdom through us. He is wanting to forcefully advance the rule and reign of Christ from a realm that is 
superior into a realm that is inferior. And the inferior is death and dying and disease and depression. And God wants to advance his rule and reign through us if we would allow him to be formed in us. That's exciting, huh? Can we take an inventory? This passage says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And if righteousness is the king in his culture, it says we'll be satisfied. Can you close your eyes and take a little inventory? On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being uh, not at all, 10 being holy moly, I'm so satisfied in my life. Where are you on that scale? If you're less than five, let me ask you. Are you pursuing him? Are you pursuing him like water when you're parched? Are you pursuing him like food when you're famished? Are you pursuing him believing that he is the only one who can feed your soul? If you're three or less, do you know him yet? Because he wants to know you. He's dying to know you. He died so that you could know him. And Lacey said, there's no bail. She said, it's skin to skin. Immediately I thought of when our babies were born. And they put the baby on Carrie's chest, all three of them, skin to skin. And Luke, I remember, he was born, he had an umbilical cord around his neck, right? And, and he, he, he struggled a little bit because of that. Oh, man, when they put him on, Carrie, skin to skin, it was like life flowed through them. Have you had that yet? Do you want that? Do you want to have life? Do you want to be satisfied? The real deal. The real. He's it, man. He's it. And if you're above five, keep at it. Keep chasing him. Keep pursuing him. Every day. As much as you can. Whenever you think of it, praise him. Talk to him. Ask him to fill you. Say, God, I want to know you more. Teach me your way that I might walk in your truth. Show me who you are. And it's this lifelong journey. It never ends. See, things in this world satisfy just for a little bit of time. Jesus satisfies for eternity. And you can't exhaust him. The depths and the knowledge of God are unsearchable. And it says that deep calls to deep, which means that as we go deep, we go want to go deeper. And you keep going. It's unfathomable. That's how you say it. Yeah, I'm going to have Jason come up. 
And uh, if, you, if you want Jesus, if, he's calling you. And nobody should leave here today without knowing Jesus. Nobody. So let's have everyone stand. If, if everyone could stand up, please. I like what Bob, I'm going to use it again, Bob, with this. What does this mean? I surrender. I think of it this way. When Maddie wants me to pick her up, she goes like this. And she wants to wrap her arms around me. And she wants me to hold her and carry her. which I think is very proper for understanding how God is with us. That he wants to lift you up. That he wants to pull you up and he wants to give you life. The life that he's always intended for you. But we run away. But we're here now. If you want Jesus and you want him as your savior, would you lift up your hands with me? Like this, if you want Jesus as your Savior. Yeah. If you want Him as your Savior, lift up your hands. If you've never, if you've never done it before, I want you to write it down that this is the day you got saved. Would you pray with me? Lord, would you save me? God, I've been doing my entire life apart from you, and failing. I need you, God. God, I need you to save me. God, I confess that I've been trying to do this apart from you. God, I pray that you would rescue me. God, I pray that you would make me a new creation. God, I pray that you would teach me your ways that I might walk in your truth. God, I ask that you would fill me with your spirit. I ask that you would forgive me for my sins. God, I ask that I would follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for loving me, God. May I keep growing in my love for you. Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 